Hey, good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Yeah, last night's Super Bowl was a spectacle. It was extraordinary game. Wonderful performances by both the Eagles and the Chiefs. Um, it's not a controversial statement to say that this was just a great, uh, great football game. You can argue all you want about that late call for defensive holding against the Eagles. Uh, but overall, the game was uncontroversial in that respect. I mean, it was just great performance. There was confusion, however, over a number of things. Uh, whether or not, Is the NFL replacing the national anthem with the so-called black national anthem? Look, first of all, it would be suicidal for the NFL to replace the national anthem, at least until baby boomers are dead. Uh, the Star Spangled Banner is going to remain the official national anthem. Now, let's remember... We have many patriotic songs that vie for honor with the Star Spangled Banner. We got, you know, My Country, Tis of the America, God Bless America, America the Beautiful. But there is. There's only one official national anthem. That's not going to change. I don't mind enlarging the canon of songs depicting the experience of America's, uh, Americans' love for their country. I, look, and if these stories depict the unique stories of various nationalities, I don't mind either. I mean, the controversy last night was over the uh, song Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is often referred to as the Black National Anthem, and it was performed. Um, you might call it better the Black National Hymn, because it's much more like a hymn than it is like an anthem. And in fact, it was a hymn. It was written as a poem by NAACP leader James Weldon Johnson back in 1900. His brother John, Rosamond Johnson, uh, composed the music for the lyrics. It was first per- performed by a group of 500 school children at the segregated Stanton School, where James Weldon Johnson was principal. They first performed it in Jacksonville, Florida, and this is why. They were celebrating President Abraham Lincoln's birthday. So the song is rooted in the American tradition of the fight for liberty and justice for all. It's, you know, it's set against the religious invocation of God. It's got the promise of freedom all there. The NAACP later adopted it, and it was used during the uh, civil rights movement uh, as a rallying cry. And the only controversy about the song has to do with those who claim that it's a potential replacement of the Star-Spangled Banner. And I don't know, I don't know the future. But I cannot imagine that at any time in the next 25 years, at least, that we're going to replace the Star-Spangled Banner with a hymn, uh, which was central to the Civil Rights Movement. Civil Rights Movement has a big claim on American history. It's an important part of our history. But it's it's not replacing the Star-Spangled Banner. But here, listen to the lyrics, though. It is worth hearing. And... um, I thought last night's performance was actually quite good. Uh, I don't think it's the best setting for this. It, I'll tell you more about that in a minute here. But take a listen to the lyrics, because I, I do think they're really bare sharing with you. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the skies. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. 
Stony the road we trod, bitter the chastening rod, felt in those days when hope unborn had died. And yet, with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers sighed? We have come over a way that with tears has been watered. We have come, treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered, out from the gloomy past, till now we stand at last, where the white gleam of our bright star is cast. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, though who has brought us thus far on the way, though who has by thy might led us into the light, keep us forever in that path, we pray, lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee. Our hearts drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. Shattered beneath thy hand, may we forever stand true to our God, true to our native land. End quote. Um, my only complaint about the song was that it loses its punch in such a large venue. I mean, it might have been the orchestration or the arrangement. It was, again, it was well done, but it, normally you want to hear, it seems to me, anything performed at the Super Bowl, something's going to blow the roof off. And I didn't, I didn't think it was able to do that. It would have blown the roof off a large church building, but in the Super Bowl, I don't think it got its best setting. Um, but I thought, again, uh, the National Anthem performed by uh, Chris Stapleton, I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It certainly brought tears to the eyes of uh, Nick Sirianni, uh, the Eagles coach. It was his first Super Bowl. Uh, that was touching to see that. Uh wasn't my favorite performance of the National Anthem, uh, although I thought it was fine. It was kind of st- very stylized. I liked, I liked the big, brassy, kind of over-the-top performances myself of the Star Spangled Banner. In a, in a coffee house, I think Chris Stapleton's uh, performance would have been great, but I didn't think at the national at the Super Bowl was all that good. Same problem as with the uh, kind of the black hymn that we had earlier. The mainstream reviewers are drooling over Rihanna's performance during the halftime show. Now, this is a hard thing for me to talk about. Um, I've got to kind of build myself up for it because I don't know her. I don't. I don't know her music. Uh, she is the be- second best-selling vocalist, female vocalist of all time, apparently, behind Madonna. She's in the same tier as Mariah Carey and Beyonce. But I've never developed a taste for her music. So my opinion is that of an outsider. I've got none of the positive emotional associations that usually go with enjoying a performer's music. She did snatches from at least a dozen of her hits. And I'm embarrassed to say... I didn't know when one started and when one ended. I mean, I reminded myself of my father, who thought that all the songs on Cream's Disraeli Gears album sounded the same. He didn't have ears to hear, and so I'll assume that my ears aren't trained properly to enjoy her music. Now, having said that, I thought the performance was tasteless. Um, In spite of erotic, even obscene dance moves and gestures, the most exciting thing that actually happened during the performance was the floating stage, 60 feet above the playing field that she performed on. And then you had dozens of uniformly outfitted dancers hovering on stages 30 feet above the field. That was impressive. So the setting of the performance was impressive. The performance itself, well, went on for roughly a half hour, which was enough time for refreshments and meeting other calls of nature. You know, Rihanna, it's always nice to get some background here. Tough childhood, 
um, father alcoholic, crack cocaine addiction, strained marriage. Father used to beat the mother. In fact, Rihanna herself has been beaten by a boyfriend uh, a few years ago. Um, so, you know, what can you say? I, I didn't think, I didn't like it at all. Didn't like the halftime show. Um, I, we did have this flyover, the all-female naval aviators who flew over. Sometimes I get, I get, I feel patronized. Um, do we, this was the first all-female naval aviator flyover. Do we really have to turn every first dealing with gender and ethnicity and race into a Jackie Robinson moment? I mean, women have been a permanent part of the military since 1948. We passed a law. I mean, there have been women in the military before that. Loretta Walsh back in 1917, first woman to enlist uh, in the Navy. In 1976, women were admitted into West Point. In 2022, last year, 24% of the West Point class were women. The Naval Academy had 28% women there. It's been 50 years since women were allowed to be naval pilots. Now, if that was the anniversary, they should have they should have made that a point. It would have been nice if they were celebrating an anniversary. Otherwise, it was just sort of random. I mean, okay, uh, good, good. I'm glad we have outstanding female aviators there. I guess they rounded them up, put them in these planes and gave them a flyover. Wonderful. But I didn't get the point of it, so it was kind of random. How about the he gets us spots? I, I can't avoid going to those. I thought the ones they aired last night, now there's quite a few of them. I thought, I saw two of them last night. I don't know if there were any others. I saw two. I thought they were superb. Uh, Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez criticized them as pro-fascist. <laughs> it's hard to see how the admonition to love our enemies gets reduced to fascism. But a great book by Bruce Cooklick, by the way, uh, makes the point uh, that fascism is now just the word that you use uh, about anything that you dislike. And the irony here is that some of these ads were clearly developed to counteract the ideology of so-called Christian nationalism, which Ocasio-Cortez claims they were promoting. I mean, it's crazy stuff here. Um, Fellow Christians who didn't like the spots, I think I must be expecting too much of them. I'll have more to say about it later in the week, because I want to make sure I've really looked at all of them carefully. But I thought the two last night were outstanding. They're, they're designed to be just the beginning of a conversation. They're the alpha, not the omega, right? They're the beginning, not the end. They're, they're designed to slip in underneath the prejudices that people have about the Christian faith. And as I said, I thought last night's were outstanding. Later this week, I'll go over some of the other spots, which I don't think were quite as well as ones we saw last night. But I couldn't mention the Super Bowl without mentioning those. He gets us spots, and we'll give them, they're worth they're worth an analysis because they are they are an exercise in serious and, and costly evangelization. So it's it's always good to pick the every few years, every ten years, maybe we get a 
we'd get something like this, uh, a, a campaign. There was one, the book campaign, which got books in living Bibles into people's hands. And then there was the I Found It campaign back in the 1970s that Campus Crusade for Christ put on. That was, again, very big and was supposed to be successful. I uh, do want to say, though, that uh, last night, <laughs> Harrison Butker's game-winning field goal was just so appropriate. Uh, it was just poetic justice there. There's a photo of him uh, wearing Our Lady's brown scapula, which is out there. And he's in the past expressed his love for uh, the Blessed Mother. He uh, has an interesting story, fell away from the faith in college, but came back, and he gives credit to the sacrament of confession, his biggest leap of faith that changed his life. 